0: Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile AF, the podcast. This is episode 19 called Shira. So Shira is a fellow Brooklyn mom. We met in the neighborhood at Soul Cycle. We are both Noah devotees. You've heard me talk about Noah's class before. So she and I met there and started talking. And then one night, a couple of years ago, we were at a friend's birthday party at a bar. And of course, as one does in a bar, we started talking about infertility. And she said, I told her I was working on a book and possibly a podcast, and she said, ooh, I want to tell you my story. So this is her story, and I will let her tell it in her own words, but just to give you the gist, Shira and her husband Craig tried for two years before they finally got pregnant, and the pregnancy did not exactly go as planned. So I'm going to let Shira tell you in her own words. It's a really good one, and get some tissues ready because i definitely cried a few times here so thank you to shira for being so open and honest and uh without further ado this is shira's infertility story Hi, Shira. Thank you for doing this. Anytime, Ali. I'm so excited. So good excited. to see you. I remember we we met through Soul Cycle, and yes. I remember we were out one night at a mutual friend's birthday, and we started, I don't know how we got on the subject, but we started talking about having a hard time having, oh, maybe you had read my article. I or read something. your Soul Cycle article. Okay. And then I
1: think you mentioned that you were thinking about doing this podcast. Okay. Said, That's amazing. Yes. And I remember, I think I told you that when I was going through this whole process, that like seeing the huge waiting room of people trying to get pregnant, like, I thought if I ever wrote a book about it, I wanted to call it like the land of flat bellies, but nothing ever came. Out that. Yes, it's um, so good. But um, I think it's amazing yeah. that you're doing So there this. we
0: were in a bar talking about like infertility, which exactly. is always a great party topic. <laughs> Do you always want to have babies? Did you always want to be a mom?
1: Uh, yeah, I have a sister, a younger sister and a younger brother. And, you know, I just always assumed I was going to have kids get married have kids that was going to be my path
0: Mm -hmm. and Um, then how did you and your husband meet we met
1: so my sister and my husband craig's cousin are best friends and it was my sister's birthday party and she said her cousin uh, her friend craig's cousin was going to bring craig and his twin brother lloyd and so they came to the party and craig happened to sit down next to me and we started talking and it was eh, Eh. <laughs> meh. at least from my perspective it was meh um but then apparently i made an impression on him and he uh the next day asked his cousin for my phone number and his cousin asked my sister and my sister asked me and i said oh maybe it just wasn't the best impression the first time so he called me and the first time we spoke on the phone we were on the phone for two hours and uh, we went on our first date about two weeks later and we have literally spoken every day since our first date. We well, talked
0: on the phone, that's old school. It was very
1: old school. Well, it was also it was a while ago, yeah. it was in 2002
0: yeah. that we met. Okay, so did you guys talk about, before you got married, did you talk about, you know, fa- the family that you wanted to have and having kids?
1: Uh, yeah, so he has a twin brother and an older sister and like I said, I have a younger sister, younger brother and we just always, you know, we wanted to have kids. We got married these days on the younger side. I was 27. He Mm -hmm. was 26. So was I, 27. It does seem so young now. It's so young now. Um, So we had always said, you know, we want to have kids. We had both Mm -hmm. wanted two kids each. And then his sister got married the year after we did, his older sister, and it has turned into this thing where, you know, oh, you're gonna have kids before we are. No, you're gonna have kids before we are. And I remember at her shower, we were filling out these little cards to put in a box that she wouldn't open until her 10 year anniversary. And I wrote on the card saying, see, you're, I told you you would have kids before us, not knowing that I was going to wish that I had had kids before her <laughs> later right, on, right. later on. But so, you know, a couple of years went by and then we decided, okay, you know, let's start trying. Yes. Yeah. That's when our journey began. Yeah,
0: so tell me what happened.
1: I never once miscarried. Okay. About when I was uh, 29, probably about April 2007, or about 2 months before that, I went off the birth control pill because we decided, okay, you now let's start trying. I'm 29. And I knew from friends, you know, go to the drugstore, get the ovulation kit, you know, pee on the stick and then smiley face. Oh, you're about to ovulate. Right. So I figured every so many people I knew, they used that, they got pregnant the first time. Mm-hmm. So I didn't get pregnant the first month that we tried. Okay, no big deal. Right. And then sex started to get less and less. Um, romantic and more like a business. Yes, I call it sex on demand. So not only sex on demand, but my medical history, I've always been prone to urinary tract infections. So same with me. So I would have to go to the bathroom before we had sex. Um, Then we would have sex and craig would shove a pillow under my tush so i could stick my legs straight up in the air
0: which is such a hot look so
1: beautiful yeah and then but on top of that i had had two full glasses of water before because i wanted to stay in that up position for half an hour and anyone who has had utis in the past knows that after you have intercourse the best thing to do is pee right away but you can't do that if you're trying to get pregnant so i wanted to make sure that i was going to be able to go to the bathroom so that I wasn't gonna get a UTI on top of everything else. Oh my gosh. So it was like that for half an hour and then I would go to the bathroom.
0: Are you like timing it? You have like the I the, had like I had my
1: clock next to me, I'd be like, Okay, a half an hour, okay now I can go. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I wanted I wanted every chance yes. to try to, to get pregnant. UTIs so,
0: is just a sidebar that UTIs are the worst. I would never wish the them worst.
1: on my worst enemy. Yes. They are so incredibly painful. Yes. You know, we, we did that for about five months or so. And at some point I decided, you know what, let me call my, OB, my OBGYN because nothing is happening. Right. And aside from everything else, another part of my medical history was that in between periods, I would spot. So about a week and a half before my period, I would start spotting.
0: Did they explain why or does that have some sort of
1: that um medical it's explanation just, no it's just the way my body was but clearly i was starting to shed my uterine lining before i was really supposed to shed it at my period okay at menstruation so i had called the office and they said well typically what we do is you try for six months and then you can come in um so try so we tried for six months and I went into the office and they did blood work to make sure that I wasn't un- going through early menopause or anything like that. But all of that came back normal. And she said, so, you know what? I think you should go to a fertility doctor. So I started seeing my uh, fertility doctor in November, 2007. Okay. And went through my history and told him about the spotting and he said, oh, you spot before your period. That's easy. That's an easy fix. You're going to be pregnant pretty quickly. I know the practice is very, very well known, mm-hmm. um, and you know you go into the waiting room and it is it's probably uh, pro- about half a block long. And there is not a seat to be had. Isn't that and wild? And people are standing. There yes. Are, I was like, always so, so
0: surprised people. going into those waiting rooms, like how packed they were at six in the morning six when the you, cool, have, you have to go you in to get your blood work. You get your blood work and, yeah. first thing. <laughs> I know. <but laughs> so it, they
1: can regulate And did you
0: have that thing where nobody was making eye contact with each other and try, kind of trying to be on the DL?
1: That I don't remember. I just remember it being so packed. And I remember looking around and I would see a mom who had kids already. And I think to myself, well why is she here she already has kids mhm thinkings not she couldn't possibly take my place in quote air quotes as i'm doing that right yeah. now because it's my body it's my pregnancy or my hopeful pregnancy and whether or not she gets pregnant has no bearing on whether or not i get pregnant but yes. it was just this feeling that i i want to be pregnant once right. because i had never been pregnant um but that that was like my waiting room thing, and I remember seeing yeah. broch. I remember seeing brochures about how actually the stress that is attendant to infertility is equal to the stress of being diagnosed with a severe illness like cancer mm-hmm. or with losing a family member. Yeah, and th- those those are my waiting room memories. Like ser- seeing those brochures, having right. those. Feelings of extreme jealousy. Yes, we um, ta- that
0: comes up a lot. That is yeah. a very common thing, and the people that I've talked to about this so far is, and I talked about it in my own story too, was that whole thing of secondary infertility, where like people look at someone with a baby and think, "Why is she being so greedy? She already got has her baby." Right. Which is so it makes sense, but it also is so messed up. Too. Right. Because
1: it, has, it had no bearing on whether or not I was going to get pregnant. Right. But it was exactly. Like, I want that. I want that yeah. one try, that so one opportunity. Let
0: me ask you this: How was this affecting your relationship with Craig at the time?
1: Our relationship actually stayed the same. That's great. Throughout, Craig Craig has a very positive outlook of you know it's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing to worry about until there's really something to worry about. Mm-hmm. Um, towards the end, when I was actually doing the hormone injections, I will say oh, they didn't affect me at all, and Krug will be like, yeah, right.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you don't realize when you're the one taking them. Exactly. but uh, Like, oh, I was batshit? Oh, okay. <laughs> exactly. Thanks for telling me.
1: <laughs> but he, he, to his credit, he didn't say that until after I had had a baby <laughs> and, and was feeling fine about things, um, and then I was like, wait, really? That's I, a good I, I was, man. Good move, mess? Craig. <laughs> but he he was really good throughout the whole thing
0: okay so you're in the midst of getting treatments yes tell me what happened next
1: okay so um like i said my doctor said oh you spot before your period easy fix so he he also said you're very young for the process and to me i was 29 and how is that young Um, my mother had me when she was 25 so to you know by the time she was 29 she'd already had two kids so Mm -hmm. I was like how is that young different
0: generation different
1: generation so he put me on a progesterone suppository which I remember for some reason was liquidy and had to be kept in the refrigerator and everything that I did with my doctor was in three month sets so I did I was going to be doing the progesterone try for three months and see how that works so i did that and it wasn't stopping the spotting and so i did that for two months and then the last month we happened to have a wedding in florida and i said to my doctor i said am i going to be allowed to take this on the plane i don't want you know it has to be refrigerated so it has to go in a cooler Is TSA going to give me a problem when I'm trying to bring this through? Was it less
0: than three ounces? (laughs) It was was a
1: lot more than three (laughs) ounces because it was like, you know, however many days worth. Right, right. And I'm like bringing an ice pack on. So um, he said, you know what? I'm going to give you, it's actually an oral progesterone pill, but I still want you to use it vaginally. I said, okay. And- by the way, just when you're doing the vaginal suppository, it's kind of like right after you have sex trying to get pregnant. You don't want it to all leak out because it has to be absorbed mm-hmm. into your system. So, again, there I am sitting in bed for half an hour. <laughs> legs, legs up. in the air. U- UTI looming. <laughs> You've got <laughs> a lot going on. Come on now. So, um, But surprisingly, this oral used as a suppository progesterone did the trick. It stopped my spotting. So I was like, boom. I'm going to get pregnant now. Mm -hmm. Didn't get pregnant. Mm -hmm. So then he said, okay, we're going to try Clomid. Mm -hmm. So that was the next three months. So I tried Clomid. And I think the first time I did Clomid was without the progesterone. And then I was still, and then I was spotting him before that. But I had heard of friends who got pregnant when they used Clomid. And I said, every time I was like, it's going to work this time. Mm -hmm. I know it's going to work this time. So three rounds of that didn't work. So then he said, Well, Clomid can also sometimes cause spotting. So now we're gonna do the clomid and the progesterone for three months. Oh wait. So I'm
0: back <laughs> and to And it the- causes UTIs. <laughs> no, <just> so,
1: <laughs> so I do the clomid and the progesterone thinking, <laughs> Okay, well, we know that this progester and he put me on the one that actually stopped the spotting and I figured well we know the progesterone stops the spotting and the clomid is gonna stimulate my ovaries to release eggs. So it's gonna work this time. First time it didn't work, second time it didn't work, third time it didn't work. So he said, okay, well now I want you to do IUIs. Mm-hmm. So you have to go to the class and Craig will go with you to learn about doing the injections. Um, because you know, I gave, I gave myself the injection, the hormone injections, um, for the first part of the month, but then the trigger one, HCG, is that what it was? Uh, Craig had to do because it was in my tush cause it had to be intramuscular. Um, so he needed to learn that too. So we went to the class, I did all the injections and again, I knew a handful of people who had gotten pregnant from IUI. And I said, it's gonna work for me, this is gonna work. So I do the, um, the first round, I do the injections and my doctor is you know, doing the ultrasound to look at my ovaries and he said, you have um, four four eggs that are gonna come out of this. And so I started joking. I remember I was at um, my cousin's daughter's high school graduation party, and I'm joking around with my cousins. I'm going to have quads. I'm going to have quads. Oh, the quads are coming. (laughs) And um, didn't get pregnant. Oh, wow. And then tried IUI again, didn't get pregnant. Tried IUI
0: the third time, didn't get pregnant. Okay, so how much time has passed at this point?
1: At this point... I had been seeing him for probably a year, maybe, because it was, let's say, three months progesterone, three months clomid, three months progesterone and clomid, three months IUI. Yeah, so so about a year. Since we'd been doing this for a year, he said, the next step, I have a choice. I can do a round of IVF or I can do laparoscopy to see what's going on inside surgery. Mm -hmm. I said, I want to do IVF. I I just want to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. Let's just do this. Mm -hmm. I remembered about learning about IVF when I was in health class in high school. Did you?
0: Yeah. See, I never did. I see. And I'm older than you, but so we didn't, we weren't that progressive (laughs) at the time. But yeah, that was, that was never, I didn't know anything about it. See, I knew, I I knew about the IUIs, IVF. I knew all about it.
1: And I said, you know what? They're going to be, you know, they're combining the egg and the sperm and a, Petri dish and right. putting back in me, and how could this not work?
0: Exactly. How could this Science not work? is amazing, it's isn't it? Incredible.
1: <laughs> so I choose the round of IVF. I did all the hormones to stimulate my ovaries. Um, I don't remember my exact count. My vague recollection is that they were able to collect eight eggs. Okay. They were able to fertilize six, mm-hmm. I think. And they transferred two, and however, the other ones were not viable for freezing. So that got me disappointed right off the bat. Like, granted, I was hopeful, like, this is going to work, I'm going to get pregnant, but why were these other four not even Mm -hmm. freezable? So
0: did you do, like, PGD testing on the the viable ones? No, I
1: did not do that. Um, There wasn't, they didn't think there was a need for it, Okay. Um, so it was just a straight uh, Mm -hmm. IVF cycle. And I remember from all my IUIs and from IVF, um, a nurse always called and said, you know, I'm sorry, it came back negative. And I have never cried so much as I did with every single negative pregnancy test. because Especially because I was using the progesterone, that actually delays your period. So I always had to do a pregnancy test anyway to know if I needed to stop the progesterone. Mm-hmm. Even when I was just doing straight progesterone. Okay. So it, it even if it wasn't a blood test, I had to at least take a pregnancy test Mm -hmm. and just have that visual of nope, you're not pregnant. Yeah. And like I said, I cried a lot. Yeah, I was uh, doing a document review. Um, I'm a lawyer in New Jersey. And I live, I was living in the city at the time in Manhattan. And um, I was driving back and I got the call from the nurse and I'm like, I had to pull over because I was I was just sobbing yeah I think that was one of my IUIs that that happened
0: yeah the devastation and just the like sadness it's just straight up the deepest sadness
1: and I had never been like a big crier yeah like some of my friends you know they go to the movies and they ball and I'd be like oh okay and (laughs) literally the amount that I cried that year was Probably more than like my entire lifetime combined Aww, up until I just quiet. got full body chills.
0: <laughs> I'm so sorry that you went through that.
1: Um, oh. So that IUA anyway, that la- first IVF came back negative, and I went to my doctor and he said to me, Okay we can do a second. I'm going to give you a choice again, a second round of IVF or the laparoscopy. He said, but I'm telling you now that if you do this round of IVF, I'm going to strong arm you and you're going to do the surgery. We went to Florida for Thanksgiving and I'm with my sister-in-law just to rewind. She had had us all come together to announce that she was pregnant and uh, we were having breakfast. And when she told us, Craig, put his hand on my knee under the table. And I like quickly drew it away because I thought I was just, I, I, I like, I couldn't have that, that, that yeah. touch of sympathy. Because you would lose because it. Because I thought I was going to lose it. Yeah. Oh. And I held it together for about half an hour. And then we're like, okay, we have to go. And as soon as we walked down into the hallway, I, I just broke down. I was hysterical. Oh. And again, it was happy for her, oh, right. and for my sister-in-law that she was pregnant. And I was I she was and I have my niece who whom I love right. dearly but at the time it was it was like a knife to the heart and it's I remember his so sister hard. so hard his sister called later because we had been at her apartment and he said, she said you know I just wanted to check in on Shira just to make sure she's okay because it was just devastating Mhm So we were in Florida um and I decided you know what let's let's do the laparoscopy because let's say hypothetically I have endometriosis which is what he was going to be looking for Mm -hmm. and that's the reason i'm not getting pregnant then all of these trials are just going to be for naught Mm -hmm. so i booked the surgery and um i did i had the surgery in december 2008 and um i remember my doctor saying to craig my my mother and my mother-in-law were there too along with craig and he said you know what go get lunch surgery is going to take at least an hour I will call you when it's done. So he goes in and they put, um, they first put a scope through your belly button so that you can see because the endometriosis is on the outside, mm-hmm. which is why you can only see it through surgery. And then if I were going to have it, then they would take another, it's not a scope, but it's whatever they used to burn it off mm-hmm. and they go, uh, it's very, very small incision and they go through in another area and they have the scope through the belly button the mm-hmm. other one, they burn it off. Mm-hmm. So Craig and my mother, my mother-in-law went to lunch. They had just ordered their food and they, they only went like a block or two from the hospital. Mm-hmm. And my doctor calls and says, we're done. And Craig's like, what do you mean you're done? We haven't even ordered lunch. I apparently had endometriosis everywhere on the front of my uterus, the back of my uterus, my fallopian tubes, my ovaries. So I think what most of the time that the surgery takes is sometimes they're just hunting around for it. But he saw it as soon as he got in there and just burned everything off. Wow. And was done in like 45 minutes. And you had
0: no idea that you had I it? I had no
1: idea. I mean, I would get, you know, occasional crampiness okay. from periods, but I didn't, I mean, I did not have that debilitating pain that is right. typical with mm-hmm. endometriosis, especially considering the extent to which I had it. I right. mean, it was everywhere. The funny part though is apparently... As I was coming out of the anesthesia, this part I don't remember at all, Um, but then when I was was coming out of the anesthesia and saying things that I don't remember, and then I'm in the recovery room and my doctor comes in, and the first thing I say to him is, I'm prone to UTIs, and I know I had a catheter, you know, I just want to let you know that. He's like, oh, I know. I said, how do you know that? He said, you must have told me like five or six times coming out of the (laughs) anesthesia, we already gave you antibiotics. I was like, oh, okay.
0: (laughs) Like it's that UTI girl coming through Uh, again. UTI
1: girl. Like, have you heard about my UTI? I know this podcast is about infertility (laughs) and UTIs. It's about all things, (laughs) all lady business, all lady business. So he burned everything off, and it was very fast recovery from that. I mean, there's the incisions are so small, and he said, okay, we're just going to start. Let's we'll start another round of IVF. So I got the birth control pill because I don't even know if they, if that's still at the protocol anymore, but at least when I did it, you were on birth control pills mm-hmm. for about three weeks. And then instead of the week where, you know, you're off for your period, then I started the hormone injections. Um, and I remember there were Lupron shots, which gave me headaches, which mm-hmm. were awesome. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I did the shots and I, went through everything, and I had the egg retrieval again because none of mine had been viable. I'm Freez- uh, not viable, freezable. Right. Um, I don't remember how many eggs, but again, none of them were... F- my extras were not freezable. There were no freezable embryos. Okay. Um, which, again, disappointed me.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, And they transferred to embryos. And then you wait about, I think, a week. Yeah. From the transfer until... You find I think out. For me, it was 10 days. Oh, maybe. Sure, yeah, yeah, maybe it was 10 days. It's yeah. like seven to 10 days, whatever yeah. it was.
0: So, in that time. It's yeah. a great 10 days, right? It's, it's awesome. Just like, it's awesome. <laughs> were you working the whole time too? I was and working the whole time. Oh, my gosh. Okay.
1: So, in that time, I started spotting and I started breaking out, and I'm like so upset. I said, I'm totally getting my period. This is awful. And, um, we went to a birthday party and my, like I said, my sister-in-law was pregnant and she was at that birthday party. And so the birthday kids, not kid, adults, mother, you know, came up and was talking to us. She's like, oh, you're having a baby. That's so wonderful. And she looks at me and she says, when are you having a baby? And I was just like, and I couldn't, I couldn't help it. I was like, I'm trying. And then I just walked away and I probably insulted the woman and whatever it is, but it's like she meant well, but I was in the throes of I'm about to get my period. This is awful.
0: Yeah. I think it's a common thing that people say to women, you know, especially like older women, they're, you know, people they don't know. When are you going to have a baby not knowing the trauma that you've been going through for years? And just as an aside, it was interesting because um, my
1: parents had a, we're at dinner with a whole bunch of their friends and they're very friendly with our rabbi and his wife and they were there too. And so they were talking about, Oh, our son has three kids now. And this one has this and this one has that. And so my rabbi says to my father "New, no, So when is she going to have kids already? And my father pulls him aside and explains everything that's happened. And my father had called me at work. He said, and you know, Rabbi Rogoff said, you know, anytime you want, mm-hmm. anytime you want to <laughs> talk about it, you know, he, happy to talk to you yeah and i just started bawling oh um so but anyway so we get home and this must have been like the weekend before i was supposed to go in for the blood test Mm -hmm. and i'm convinced i'm about to get my period and craig said just take a pregnancy test at least that way if it's negative you know Mm mm-hmm and um so I pee on the stick, and usually, what it takes like a full minute or something to say anything. Ten seconds later, it says pregnant. Oh
0: my god! Are you I about was the like, fancy ones? No, the words. <laughs> well, I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. get.
1: I'm gonna get to why it was so quick in a second. So I'm like freaking out. I'm like, Greg, it says I's pregnant!" I am freaking out. And then I said, well, wait a second. I haven't had the blood test yet. What are the chances that this could say pregnant and it could still be negative? Right. You're like, go buy 25 yeah. more of these tests. <laughs> so it ha- I think it was a Sunday. So the next morning, like those next 12 hours or however, less than 24 hours dragged because all I wanted to do was get to the doctor's mm-hmm. office and get this blood test. And I go in and the nurses take my blood. And I said, I took a pregnancy test yesterday and it said positive. What are the chances that that was like a false positive. She said those, she said, our blood work picks up on such small amounts and those pregnancy tests do not. So if it said pregnant, you are most likely pregnant. I'm like, okay, Ah. but like, but I didn't, I I didn't want to trust it until I heard. Of
0: course, you don't, you can't get your hopes up until you know, for sure. Exactly.
1: So I had my blood work done and then I went to work. And like I said, for every negative IUI and the negative IVF, the nurse always called. And all of a sudden, my phone rings, and I pick it up, and it's my doctor himself. And he said, you're pregnant. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I had waited forever. I had never been pregnant. I can't believe I'm getting so choked up. No, um, that's good. And I was over the moon. I was ecstatic. So I go in, I guess, the f- so that's exactly four weeks pregnant. So I go in the following week to my fertility doctor. And he does an ultrasound and he said, you're pregnant with twins.
0: Uh,
1: wow. And I was like, okay, well, that explains why the pregnancy test came up so quickly. <laughs> yeah. Because when you have multiples, then you your hormone, the hormones are even higher. So he said, it looks like the one is a little bigger than the other, but it's fine, no problem. And um, then the next week, it's six weeks. So I went back and it's six weeks when you go to a fertility doctor and they're... Um equipment is so specialized. Mm -hmm. We heard both heartbeats and Oh you did. Um (laughs) my husband just leaned over and kissed me and it was
0: just amazing. Oh. It was an amazing feeling. Yeah, it's the best sound in the world, those little heartbeats.
1: So I'm going through and I'm pregnant and I am happy and I had not been this happy and I couldn't even remember how Mm -hmm.
0: long. Were you telling people at this point? Or was it, you know, you want to wait till that benchmark? I wanted to wait until the 12-week benchmark. Yeah. But to a lot,
1: to some extent, a lot of people knew, especially my family, knew that I was going through all this and that yeah. I had the pregnancy test. Like, the test. So so my parents, Craig's parents, and our sisters and brothers all knew about it. Um, but that was it. So a couple weeks later, then I started spotting again. I was like, I, I can't. <laughs> yeah. So I go to the hospital and... Babies are fine. I was just having some spotting. Um, And I remember saying to my doctor, I am not having, you know, I have this history of spotting, but I am not having any nausea. I am not throwing up. I don't have any breast tenderness. The only evidence that I have that I am pregnant is a pregnancy test and the fact that I don't have a full-on period. And I I remember saying, you know, I'm fine with being nauseous. Give me nausea. Give me throwing up. And they're like, trust me, if that happens, like... You come back to me and say that you actually wanted it. Right. Um but I didn't I didn't have anything. Okay. It was like I did not my I did not have any sort of physical feelings that I was pregnant at all except that my belly started growing, which was amazing.
0: Yeah.
1: And it started growing faster I guess than a, a typical single pregnancy because I was pregnant with twins. Okay. So at 15 weeks they do a blood test called a quad screen. And um they did the quad screen, and I get a call from my doctor that it came back really abnormal, and there's a chance that the twins could have spina bifida. So, Ugh. I um, I I had friends at work who had been pregnant with twins, and I started looking up stuff online, and I started reading that you know when you have multiple like multiple pregnancy, um, that sometimes the tests come come back a little skewed because it is more than one uh, fetus baby. So I was, I was asking my friends at work, you know, you had twins. Did you ever have any abnormal tests? No. I was like, okay, you know, maybe this is just the way, you know, Mm -hmm. this test was. So I go in for, so the test was at 15 weeks. I go in for an ultrasound at 16 weeks. And, um, for reasons beyond my comprehension, um, Twin A was totally fine. Twin A was the one closest to my cervix. Twin B, which was higher up, suddenly had almost no amniotic fluid. Hmm. I think that I don't remember what the measurement was of the deepest pocket, but it was virtually nothing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, the doctor, the um, fetal specialist, there came in and said, "I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you." Those were these are his words. I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. It's really bad. Ugh. Um, so I cried a lot and, um, I went home and Craig came home with me and my mother left work and came in and I was, I was just devastated. Um, and I went in the next week for another ultrasound, hoping that, well, this fluid was suddenly gone. Maybe it'll suddenly be back. Mm -hmm. So I had another ultrasound at 17 weeks And at that point, still there was virtually no fluid and the baby's head was already starting to be misshapen um, because it didn't have the fluid to be floating around in. So the head was actually flattening on one side and Mm -hmm. becoming elongated. Um, And the other, aside from the physical deformity, the other main problem with the lack of amniotic fluid is that the baby swallows the amniotic fluid and that promotes lung development. So at this point, I'm only 16 weeks. So what they told me was this. I had... There were three potential outcomes. I could have a fetal reduction, which is a nice way of saying abort twin B. Mm-hmm. I could do absolutely nothing, um, and there would be a minuscule chance that I would deliver a live baby, but the baby would die in less than 24 hours because it would have absolutely no lung development. Um choice number three was do absolutely nothing and the baby would die in utero but in all that time um that baby would be taking nutrients and space from twin a and um they said that also the bigger the baby got if it when it dies in utero ultimately because i asked what happens? the baby because they couldn't deliver it because my other baby was lower down which they said was actually a good thing
0: okay
1: if this were to happen the way that it happened to twin b is better than happening to twin I. okay so they said what would happen is that the baby would reabsorb it's it would the baby would be reabsorbed into my uterine lining so the bigger the baby got more there is to reabsorb and the reabsorption process could then cause preterm labor for twin I. Wow. So um, I said. So after a lot of thought, we decided the safest thing to do to hopefully have a healthy baby was to have a fetal reduction. And Craig was in the room with me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they use the same needle that they do for an amniocentesis, mm-hmm. but they do it with ultrasound guiding. And they inject the needle into the baby's heart and they inject potassium and it stops the heart.
0: Oh. I'm going to start bawling right now. <laughs> this
1: is terrible. Um, I cried the entire time. Um, and, you know, some people, when they're upset, you know, they eat a lot. For mm-hmm. me, it's like I I just lose my appetite.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I had to make a conscious effort to continue eating mm-hmm. because I had another baby. Right. And I had to stay healthy for that baby. And um, I was like... I. I can do this. I can do this. And for some reason, the doctor said, um, who did the fetal reduction (laughs) said that um, I shouldn't have any spotting or anything. And of course that weekend I started spotting and Craig was at, Craig was playing golf. And I said, and I called my doctor and she said, come into the hospital. And so I went to the hospital and I said, you have to come. I can't do this by myself. Um, And so he met me in the hospital and thank God everything was fine. And with all of this going on, you know, I start thinking back and, you know, when you're pregnant and everything, you, I, things are gross and sometimes you have discharge. And I was like, well, was my discharge maybe a little more yellowy than it otherwise was? And should I, maybe if I had caught this, maybe if I had said something, um, then something would have been, it could have been done. And my doctor was like, nothing could have been done. Yeah. Like this, it just happened.
0: Yeah. So I am
1: mentally trying to get through this. Mm-hmm. And the months, you know, and then a couple weeks later, maybe not even that long, um, it was Passover. We were at my parents' house and, um, a couple days later, I get a call from my cousin, I hate to have to tell you this, but apparently I have parvovirus, which is fifths disease. And in rare cases, if a pregnant woman gets it, it can cause severe anemia and miscarriage. And. Wow. so i called my doctor i said apparently i've been exposed to parvovirus and they said come in now we're gonna do blood work and i went in and the nurse took the blood and my doctor came in and this is this is my OBGYN who i'd been going to since for years at this right. point and so she so she knew me and um i said i i i think i need to talk to somebody i said i, I can't handle this mm-hmm. I, i'm you know I, I just you know i just lost a baby and now i'm potentially Exposed to something that could make me lose another one. And so she gave me the number um, of a doctor. And um, they called me that day and said, Good news, you are already immune to virus. And <sighs> I was like, It occurred to me when my sister was probably like really little. I remember she had something called Fifth's disease, which is the same thing as virus. And so from being around her, I must have developed an immunity to it. Wow and i was like all of a sudden i was like okay the good news this yeah. is this is good news Finally. Like the first good news in like a month and a half right this is okay and yeah. so i ended up not i ended up never calling uh the psychiatrist mhm um because like i i felt like i was doing better mm-hmm. and then we went on a baby moon we only went to bermuda mm-hmm. but i was even though i was feeling better i still wasn't feeling like
0: you know, probably can't fully relax. I could could never fully relax. Is it like every time you go to the bathroom, like, please don't be blood. Like I remember feeling that way when I was exactly, you know, going through it as well. And And then,
1: you know, you start get like, I started getting like Braxton Hicks contractions and I'm like, Oh my God.
0: And how far along are you at this point on your baby moon?
1: Baby moon was over the summer. Farah was born in October. So I was just, you know, a couple months out, but early enough that
0: yeah, it still would be an issue because
1: because I knew that this reabsorption process of twin B could potentially cause preterm labor. Um, all I, I, you know, we're supposed to be enjoying our baby moon, and all I wanted to do was get on a plane and mm-hmm. go back home. And Bermuda isn't even that far from New York. Mm-hmm. It was about like an hour and a half flight. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, I just need to get on a plane and go home. I need to be within driving distance of my doctor. Yeah. Um. But we stayed the whole. You know, it was just it was a long weekend. It's not like we were there for a long time. Yeah. Um. And we went home. And then after all of this, I end up delivering a very healthy baby a day late.
0: wow a day well, late a day late. your due
1: date um and ironically my due date was october 13th which is the date that craig and i for, went on our first date together oh wow and my daughter Farah was born october 14th 2009
0: oh Farah. So, um, so she is how old now? she
1: is now nine years old okay. she's in third grade um she is terrific she's super smart she loves gymnastics um yeah she's amazing yeah absolutely amazing um I had been scared about the delivery. Um, I had asked my doctor ahead of time, you know, what can I, because, you know, I had aborted twin B, what can I expect? They said, if anything, it'll just be like maybe a little film or something like, um, um, but I think it had just totally reabsorbed. Okay. They tested faris placenta to see if they could determine anything. Yeah. They said it was a nondescript placenta issue.
0: Okay. 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 Um, But I had a healthy baby, and that's what mattered. Yay! So, do you think that you might ever mention the the twin to her, or have you, or she actually knows about her twin? Okay. Um. How did you tell her? I didn't tell her directly.
1: She had been like getting headaches, um, and so I took her to a doctor, and he said, "Oh, did you have a normal pregnancy?" And she was sitting on the little couch kind of next to me but like reading a book playing things and Mm -hmm. i thought that she was totally you know ignoring in her
0: own world yeah
1: and i said no you know she actually had a twin and i lost her twin at 18 weeks um and then i never she didn't say anything about it and then we had a babysitter one time and when we got home farah was sound asleep and our babysitter says oh farah kept saying i'm a twin and i kept saying no you're not a twin and i was like actually she was and apparently she was paying attention when i was talking Interesting. Um, so she knows that there she had a twin and that the baby died when i was pregnant and that you know she hasn't asked anything further mm-hmm. you know as she you know as she gets older and she's learning more i can give her more details yeah um but um yeah Wow. So she does know about
0: that. So you did go on to have another baby. Can you tell me a little bit about that? It wasn't necessarily an infertility issue, right? But or or was it? It it,
1: it started off a little bit. Um initially I'd I said to Craig, if I can't get pregnant on my own, I don't want to do this again because we have a baby now. I can't do all the hormones, I can't do that just abject. Awful feeling, like of just depression and feeling sad. You know, when we have a baby, mm-hmm. I can't do it again. Mm-hmm. So it's either natural or nothing. Mm-hmm. So we started trying, legs up in the air. I had uh, I hadn't even gone to the fertility doctor. I just asked, my, said to my OB, I know that this um, oral progesterone pill used as a suppository worked to stop my spotting. Can you prescribe it? She said, sure, no problem. So because of that, again, I had to do a pregnancy test every single month to know, do I need to stop the progesterone or do I continue because the progesterone was suppressing my period. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't getting pregnant. I wasn't getting pregnant. I wasn't getting pregnant. So I made an appointment with my fertility doctor and I go in. Same doctor? Same doctor.
0: Okay.
1: um, Go in at five months and like, boom, there's my file that's like inches thick. (laughs) And I said to him, I said, I think you are an amazing doctor, but with all due respect, I was hoping to never have to see you again. (laughs) Um, He's like, no, I totally understand. And he said to me, here's the deal. We're going to do an ultrasound. We're going to see where you are right now. He said, but I do not believe in reinventing the wheel. His words. "Um, We're just going to go right to IVF. I said, that is fine with me. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go through all that again. We know IVF worked. Do it. Be done with it. Yep. So we go in um, to the exam room and he's doing an ultrasound. He said, oh, it looks like you're about to ovulate. I said, well, yeah, you know, count, you know, that's my calendar count too. And I've been doing the ovulation kits. Um, So that's what I thought. He said, yeah, I'd say in like the next day or so. He's like, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you the prescription for the birth control pill, which is, again, the start of the IVF process. Um, Fill it, he said. But you know what? And in his words, give it. One, co- one last college try <laughs> and um, see what happens. So I was fully expecting that there was no way I'm getting pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was surprised because the endometriosis supposedly couldn't have come back that quickly because... So this is... My daughter was born in 2009. Let's say we started trying again about a year later. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the likelihood of the endometriosis coming back that quickly was actually pretty slim Mm -hmm. so I was like why am I not getting pregnant um but nonetheless go through the IVF I went to the pharmacy I filled the birth control pill and um we gave it a one last college try as Mm. my doctor suggested and then it was father and I was using the progesterone and then it was father's day and Craig went to play golf with his brother and his father for father's day and then he was coming back to get me and then we were going to go to my parents house in New Jersey for father's day and I was home with Farah, and I heard her on the monitor waking up and I got up and I went to the bathroom and I peed and I was like, oh crap, I was supposed to pee on a stick and I'd forgotten. So I like downed a glass of water. I go in and I get Farah, and I was like, oh, maybe there's a slight feeling. Maybe I have to pee. So I go <laughs> and I pee on the stick and it's like three drops and it's like, you know, the thing comes up like error insufficient. I was like, oh, crap. <laughs>
0: And like have I, you, i've done the thing where you i've forgotten and then you like dip it in the toilet I'm like even, hoping that that might work it doesn't oh, okay because i hadn't
1: even thought about that until like you said that just now i was like oh that would have been so much easier but yeah. apparently that doesn't no. work ineffective <laughs> so i had so you know the i think they come with like two or three tests in a kit so i said fine i'll bring this to my parents house so we go to my parents house with craig and farah and um i go upstairs to go to the bathroom and my bathroom growing up was like right at the top of the stairs so i go and i pee and so it says pregnant and i call down to craig i'm like craig can you come here and he calls from the living room he's like what i'm like can you come here he's like what i'm like seriously please come here so he comes to the bottom of the stairs and he's like what i'm like oh my god just come up the stairs please He's like, what is the matter i was like seriously please come up here so come up he comes up and i'm like happy
0: father's day oh my god it was on father's day it was day. on
1: father's day and I said, pregnant he was like oh my god oh.
0: um so we we're
1: really really excited so my aunt was there and i was like do tell aunt julia and he's like whatever you want to do i was like you know what she's here yeah, how could down, you not i know yeah and i went downstairs and i was like is gonna be a big sister And oh. I crying my mom was crying and my aunt was crying um so we were all very excited yeah so
0: oh that's so good
1: everything's going well again no nausea like barely know that i'm pregnant the progesterone is working wonderfully i am not spotting at all 15 weeks comes around and i go to my OBGYN and i said "Ugh, the dreaded quad screen she said every pregnancy is different just because last time was really bad mm-hmm. has nothing to do with this this time I said okay So she draws my blood, and a couple days later, I get a phone call. It came back wildly abnormal again, and you have an appointment to get an ultrasound today. And again, Craig was playing golf. (laughs) He
0: plays a lot of golf. It's (laughs) all right. He
1: plays a lot of golf. He's a good man. (laughs) Love him dearly. Um, And I'm not saying that sarcastically. And I called him, and I said, it's really bad again. You have to come to the appointment with me I, again. I can't do this alone. Yeah. So I think he I think he had just teed off the first hole and he'd said to his father and his brother, See you soon. Mm-hmm. I'm going. And I was sobbing. I, you know,
0: That's we so get scary.
1: We get to the appointment and I'm like crying as the tech is taking me to the room and she's like, what's because she didn't she has no idea why she's doing this. Right. And she says, What's wrong? I said I just I don't think there's going to be any fluid in here. And just as an aside with with my pregnancy with Farah, after having lost the other baby, every ultrasound I had was how's the fluid level? How's the fluid oh, yeah. level? So we go in and I said how's the fluid level? She said, fluid level's totally
0: fine. Okay. I said okay. Check that box. Check Next. That
1: box. <laughs> Spina bifida? No. Nope. Everything's fine. Okay. So it turns out the fetal specialist who I had the first time came in and said, Oh, I, you know, I see what happened last time. He said, what it looks like this time is again, a, probably a placenta issue. Um, but the baby just isn't grow. You know, the, uh, the baby was in the 25th percentile, I think for growth. Um, and they said that it's something that will likely manifest in the third trimester. So they wanted to monitor me. And they kept doing ultrasounds um, because if I were going to do something to um, abort the pregnancy, there's a a time limit for that. Mm -hmm. So I was having
0: ultrasounds. I'm just thinking back to every single time you go in for one of those tests. It is just the worst and it's so scary and there's all you're waiting is for them to give you the outcome and it seems like it takes forever and just I'm getting PTSD right now like flashbacks (laughs) no it's okay it's but really I remember like going in for those scans and those tests and listening for the heartbeat and Mm -hmm. all you want is for them to say it's okay yeah
1: so I was doing ultrasounds every other week and I was doing non-stress tests every single week and then third trimester hit and just like they said, she dropped to the 20th percentile for weight. And then the following week she dropped to the 15th percentile weight. And then the 10th percentile, and she was just dropping, dropping, dropping. And my doctor said to me, if the baby's growth continues to drop, we're going to have to deliver early. And I kind of knew that had been an option. So I had the, um, I had a steroid injection for lung to develop the lungs quicker in case I needed to deliver early. And then all of a sudden, at 33 weeks, I was eating lunch by myself in Depanor on uh, White the North Third. And I've <laughs> <We've> been ph- <laughs> there many times. And my <laughs> It's by Cycle. It's right by Cycle. And my phone rings, and it's my doctor. And she said, so you're delivering next week. Pick a day. Whoa. So I go in the night of the 17th, and they gave me, I think it's called Cervidil.
0: Okay. So um, they weren't going to do a C-section. They were going to have you be induced
1: they allowed Do you know me why? to why yes because i had despite all my problems with my pregnancy i delivered very easily with farah okay um i think i pushed for half an hour okay that was it um oh, one of the things by the way the doctor the fetal specialist did say was when farah was born a day late she was five pounds 14 ounces so he said well the good thing is you deliver healthy but small babies mm. so that's a good thing okay so they give me the cervidil which is supposed to start inducing labor but again i'm exactly 34 weeks my body doesn't isn't even close to being ready for labor at this point so then they give me um pitocin the next day they're like oh you're a fingertip dilated to which i later found out they were just being very generous i was barely not even a fingertip okay and I spent the entire day in that room, just waiting, just waiting and, and yeah. waiting and waiting. And my doctor came in and she said, "Okay, we're going to break your water to see if that um, speeds things up." And but the the bag of amniotic fluid, because as the baby gets bigger, it takes up more space, and then the fluid naturally starts to go down towards mm-hmm. the end of pregnancy. But she was so small, mm-hmm. and there was so much fluid. She was actually having the doctor was having trouble breaking like my water balloon. <laughs> oh my god it was it was like a, a waterfall <laughs> whoosh <laughs> my doctor had to change her scrubs oh wow <laughs> it was awful probably tmi for this but whatever
0: no this is all tmi <laughs> this all... podcast should just be called tmi
1: <laughs> so um so broke my water and at some point i'm starting to think i'm at some point i'm probably going to need a c-section i'm not progressing the pitocin isn't working Um, and now they broke my water and I have to deliver. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not delivering on my own, they're going to do a Mm C-section. And finally, I'd say at about six in the evening, I was all of a sudden fully dilated. Whoa. Well, at one point I went, I was finally four centimeters and about an hour later I was like fully dilated. And, um, so they said, okay. So they kicked my parents and my in-laws out of the room. And, um, she, so the... Nurse was there and the doctor was getting, you know, um, scrubbed up and everything. And the nurse says, let's just do a practice push. Keep in mind, like, I'm, I'm ha- about to have a small baby.
0: Right. Oh, gosh.
1: Um. So I do a practice push. And she's like, stop! Oh. Because I already pushed her halfway down the vaginal canal. Whoa. With, like, half a push. So then the doctor comes and they're kind of waiting. And they said... Um, the, all of a sudden, the nurse said, baby's heart... And I'm, like, I'm sitting here like, I can hear you. The baby's heart rate is um, lower than mom's. And I'm sitting here like, I can, I can hear you.
0: Oh, God.
1: <laughs> um, and they're like, well, the NICU team isn't here yet, da da So the doctor says, fine. So she's push again. So now I do a full push. So this is now one and a half pushes. And I'm like, she's all the way about to crown. Stop. Fine. Push again. So that's two and a half pushes. Head is out. And now I just see the head between my legs. And I didn't know if it was a boy or a girl. And I was like, oh, my God, it's so small. Because this was, like, such a tiny, oh. tiny head. Um, and then I said, she said, push again. And it was out. So three and a half pushes. Uh-huh. And I delivered a baby. Uh-huh. And she, my wow. beautiful Millie, was three pounds, five ounces.
0: Oh, tiny little angel tiny, baby. Tiny, tiny, tiny.
1: Um, and at 34 weeks, she probably should have been at least five pounds. Okay. Um, so... It was, you know, I did. not Did you get to
0: hold her before they whisked her away? I did not. They wrapped oh. they
1: wrapped her up. It was kind of like, you know, the pictures that you see of parents who have C section babies where the mother is lying there. They're holding her up, I'm lying down. I'm like Smile. Right.
0: and then right.
1: and then they just they whisked her off. They wanted her to get, get her Straight into the NICU. Straight to the NICU. Into yeah. Into the NICU. And um oh, but thankfully yeah.
0: But healthy she, and... Healthy.
1: She was basically just a grower feeder. Um, she did need an NG tube at one point, um, nasogastric tube to feed. And it was funny because she was my second baby. So my milk came in so fast and with Farrah, it came in so slowly. Mm -hmm. Um, and she was only able to get like one CC of milk at a time. And I was producing two ounces, which is 60 CCs.
0: Wow. (laughs) So
1: so I was not allowed to breastfeed her. Okay. Um, because it was too much for her. Mm -hmm. So, um... I was just pumping and pumping. And mm-hmm. so, But she had a nasogastric tube for a little. She was under the UV lights for a little because she became a little jaundice. Mm-hmm. But other than that, she was in the NICU for just under three weeks. Oh. She could have come home a couple days earlier, except Farah came down with a stomach bug and was throwing up all over our apartment and all over mm-hmm. me. Um, and I actually didn't get to go to the NICU for a couple days because I, I couldn't risk if I were going to get oh, sick or if I had something tough. on me. So um, Yeah. So the doctor said, okay, we're going to keep her here a couple more days until uh, until your other daughter's healthy. And she came home and she wasn't... E- Millie came home. She wasn't even four pounds. She was three pounds, 15 ounces when she wow. came
0: home. Wow, She's still pretty small.
1: She's still small. Yeah. Um, but she maintains her growth. She's... Yeah. Fifth percentile for height and seventh percentile yeah. for weight, or something. So she, yeah. she's just my little Millie Moo. Oh, um, Sarah so and Millie. Sarah and Millie, nine and seven.
0: Oh, I'm so happy for you. So, what an emotional roller coaster.
1: Ter- hor- horrible pregnancies, um, but thankfully, two healthy, amazing daughters yeah. that I love to death.
0: Yeah. So, is there anything that you could say to people who might be struggling right now just to about you know infertility or just hopefulness in general to be utterly
1: frank it just it sucks it really does and i think sometimes you just you just need to hear somebody like acknowledge that it just sucks because so many people are going to say it's okay it's going to work out and sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't Mm -hmm. and it's it's being able to get to that place where you're okay with it because you know I wanted nothing more than to be pregnant and to have my own kids, but I seriously started considering surrogacy. Um, and personally, I was more leaning towards surrogacy than adoption. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my personal feeling. Um, but then I, I ended up being able to get pregnant. But, I mean, taking, you know, taking from somebody who took almost two years just to get pregnant, pregnant for the first time in my entire life and mm-hmm. i remember listening to your podcast and i thought the same thing you know you're a teenager and mm-hmm. you're like if you have sex you're gonna get pregnant and it's like <laughs> get me pregnant right <laughs> um so you know to, to everybody out there like you know i know i know i know where you're coming from and it's hard and it's you just have to kind of take it day by day and you have to be hopeful um
0: and, and talk about it and
1: talk for find, sure find your people and talk yes. about it because it does help I say to everybody you know I understand that it's a people I know that are going through it it's a private issue um but if you want to talk about it I am here to listen mm-hmm. and you know if you want to hear my story I'm happy to share my story um because it helps to know that other people are going through the same thing that yeah. you're going through.
0: Yeah, and you shared it so beautifully and so <laughs> articulately and that was awesome. So thank you for everything and thank oh, you anytime. for doing this. Thank you. All right. Hey again, guys. Thank you so much for listening to Shira's story and thanks again to Shira for telling us all the details and reliving that. I'm sure it was not easy to go to some of those places. So we are 19 episodes into this whole thing and we keep growing and growing and I'm so proud of what we've done and all the people who've come forward to share their stories, Shira and everyone else included. I would love it if you guys would do me a favor and think of a person or two that might benefit from hearing some of these stories. Maybe somebody who's struggling, maybe somebody who did and might want to, you know, go back and kind of remember what they went through. But if you can think of somebody, share the podcast with them, send it to them, ask them to subscribe. I would be forever indebted. Thank you so much. And I'll talk to you guys next time.